G'day No Excuses Nation, Brant Garvey here and welcome to the No Excuses Show where I speak to the world's most inspiring and motivated people. Let's get started with today's guest, Amna Kahara Asan. Are you ready to get gritty, Amna? <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, awesome. Amna is would be known, widely known, as being instrumental in starting AFL, women's AFL in Sydney, which I think is such a phenomenally cool thing. I'm so excited about the sport. I have many friends that are playing it here in WA in the female Dockers team and also is passionate about facilitating difficult conversations. So let's now give you a chance to fill in a few of the blanks and share a bit more detail on who you are. Uh, so eight years ago, I decided to start a women's AFL team in Western Sydney. Unbeknownst to me that there would be an AFLW competition. So apart from a footballer, a uh, passionate advocate of all things girls and women, I am a 29-year-old uh, Western Sydney cider who just has a real passion for life and, you know, going after the things that I believe in and what I dream in. Yeah, and... Um those things that kind of, do they just fall across your lap or is it just no. like you'll find something? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, I think every single human has things that just speak to them. And for some people it's food, some people it's art, some it's sport. For me, it's like a combination. It's like an intersection of things that I love. And it's incredible when it's that. So I'm passionate about enabling girls and women to participate and have the, the best opportunities, whether they want to be elite or play community footy. Um, so I'm passionate about girls and women. I'm passionate about where I live, which is Western Sydney. I'm passionate about my heritage and my culture. And I love talking about that with people. Um, I'm passionate about my identity. I'm passionate about being a woman. I'm passionate about so many things. And I feel like I get to speak to all those things. And I love it. And you can see the passion coming through whenever you talk about it, which is great. <laughs> What led you to do what you do today? There was two things that I think really prompted me. One of them was the disappointment with the lack of opportunities and access for women to participate in organised sport. You know, an initiative would kick off, whether it was soccer or something else, it would last for as long as someone was passionate. And then if that person went away, that sport was no longer available for goals. And so for me, it was like, why is this the situation that we're finding ourselves in? And what can I do about it? The second thing that led me to pick AFL over other sports was I saw my cousin play a game and I'd had my first ever exposure to the game when I was about 21 and I played my own demo game. And, you know, even the way that demo game came about, it was at a festival where there was a men's competition. So the gala day for the men was sorted, but no one thought about the girls. And I was like, how come none of the women have a competition to play in? And even though I didn't know the game and I didn't have a strong affinity, I thought it was about what was fair and what was right. And the fact that no one thought about it really bothered me. So yep. I picked up the footy. <laughs> I tried to figure out the rules and off I went. And then, you know, watching my cousin play, having that experience, I was like, well, why not AFL? Why not a game that is so centrally linked to the identity of Aussies? You know, and people debate whether cricket is the best game or AFL is the best game or Australia's game. But I didn't, I'm not much of a cricketer. So AFL <laughs> it was. 
Well, yeah, um, being mindful that I may offend a few people, I'm, I'm definitely more partial to the AFL. I feel like it's a little bit more uh, elite in the physical side, whereas cricket, I mean, it's gotten, gotten fitter, but uh, there used to be some fairly uh, overweight men playing cricket. Yeah, I think all sport has actually developed in that regard. I think we now look at what does an athlete need to have to be highly skilled and perform well in their game as opposed to, uh, well, it doesn't matter if you're packing a few kilos or it doesn't matter if you want to be leaner because you like that look more. It's what is required of your body so that you can perform. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I know the difference between me in season and off season is almost two different people. I get a lot softer uh, on the off season. <laughs> than, um, <laughs> right, don't we all feel like that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, share something we probably don't know about what you're doing at the moment that we probably should. So women's footy is obviously one of the things that you're passionate about. Is there is there something that we don't know that we should? Oh, goodness. I don't know what the public don't know about me, to be honest, because I'm a pretty (laughs) open book. Um, Look, if you don't know, one of uh, a dear friend and uh, co-footy player, her name's Reka, just got picked up by the GWS Giants, and we're incredibly proud of that achievement. And I think it's important that we recognise and celebrate the achievements of the people that we love. I met her when she was 14, Uh, She was just a kid who had a lot of self-doubt and natural talent and was like, as if I can be pro. And to have been on the journey as a football squad and backed her all the way and see her achieve that milestone and hopefully set new goals and achieve more milestones is going to be incredible. So if you don't know her name, learn her name. It's Hanine Zareka. Okay, awesome. And uh, how old is she now? You met her when she was 14? She's 18. Okay, awesome. So four years of hard work has paid off. Yeah, and hopefully it will it will be a great AFLW season. Yep. Uh, awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. What has been the biggest setback or failure and what did you learn from it along the way? Oh, gosh, there's been so many. <laughs> I think, you <laughs> know, right, so some of them. We're going specific here. So we're going for the, is there the, the one that stands out the most over all failures, setbacks? I guess the one that sticks out for me is one that is about me and my leadership capability. Uh, I think one of the things I worked really hard on was developing the capability of people around me and building their confidence to lead. Because I think everyone has some capacity to contribute in some way. And I thought if I did that, then I could step back and not be the leader. And I remember things falling apart and things failing and I felt like in not building that capability in the people around me that I was failing. And it was incredibly hard because I think I had a really self-critical lens. And when you're being really self-critical, you can't do anything constructive in that space. So it was, I think, at least 12 months of me reflecting, but through the wrong lens where I was beating myself up about how I was failing or not doing the right thing or what should I be doing. And what I learned in the end was the problem is your lens. The problem was this lens where I thought I could just walk away and people were going to figure it out and then I would have done my job. Yay, good good stuff, me. And it doesn't work that way, you know. Sometimes people might be confident enough to do something but feel more confident doing it if you're walking with them. 
Yeah. And so it's like, well, maybe I'm a really independent learner and I'm very adventurous and want to do things on my, in my own strides, but not everyone works the way I work. Not everyone operates the way I operate. And so I need to just settle. <laughs> I need to listen more. And I just need to be connected to other people around me and see that not everyone sees things the way that I do. Yeah, I can imagine it being very difficult to inspire a group of people to continue on with a movement once the key person has, has stepped away. Yeah, and I think I had to change my perspective on what is success and what is failure because I had defined um, success as if they feel confident and capable to lead in my absence, that is success. And I had to say, yeah. well, if they feel capable and confident, and they're achieving and they have a strong sense of self-achievement, that is success. Yeah, yeah. The okay, other stuff awesome. with me has to be what it is. <laughs> yeah. And it was a 12-month process to, to change your, your frame? Yes, and a lot of crying and talking to random people and mentors and experts in leadership. And it, it's so funny because it, it seems so simple to me now, but at the time mm -hmm. it was just like this huge problem in front of my eyes and I just – couldn't get past it. I can totally, I go through those all the time, especially in the business world. <laughs> yeah. What was the um, biggest win or breakthrough? Oh, I think, honestly, the biggest win or breakthrough was I was on an aeroplane and I met this bloke and, you know, me being me, I was chatting to some random person and I was talking to him about my football club, of course, and mm -hmm. you're talking to him about how do you crack into big business to sponsor the footy club. He was, he said, oh, have you heard of Katie Page? And I was like, no, I don't know what that, who, who that person is. And he said, she's actually my boss and she's the director of Harvey Norman and she's a great woman and a huge champion of women's sport. And I had this moment where I was like, thank you so much for telling me that. And I wrote her name down. Yep. And a year later, I saw her at an event. I walked straight up to her and I said, hi, Katie. My name is Amna. I'd really like to tell you about my football club. And so Katie being the person that she is, she said, absolutely schedule a meeting. I go to her office. I'm terrified. I've got the whole script rehearsed. And then Katie goes, so tell me about you. And I'm sitting there going, off script, off script, crap. Like, I'm here to tell you about footy. I'm not here to say stuff about me. What do you mean? Why is she, why is she asking about me? So, you know, that conversation, first of all, that conversation with the guy on the plane, then the courage it took to walk up to someone I don't know who has a lot of influence and power in the business world and say, hey, I'd like to meet you. And then following through and going to her office and every moment after that, that I follow through has been a huge breakthrough because when you meet people who've lived, who have experience, who are incredibly successful at what they do, you can only learn and grow around people like that. And we didn't talk money. I didn't say I want this much money and I want you to do this for me. She even stripped the conversation back from that. She wanted to get to know the human that was sitting in front of her to say, how can I enable you as a person who's really passionate? And what are your passions? And it was so incredible. Like that moment, it was no longer about the work that I was doing. Someone actually looked at me as a human being and said, I'm interested and invested in you and your success. Yep. And I think that was a huge moment for me because I had to learn what it is to own success. 
And so did she kind of take on the role as a, a mentor? Is that what you got out of uh, this relationship? Oh, look, I, I don't know that she set out to be, but I certainly look at her as one of my mentors. Um, and I look at the women I've met through the Harvey Norman team as my mentors. So um, there's Steph, who's the head of promotions. There's Antonia, who's like the all things media guru. And the level of expertise, the competence, the confidence of these women has been incredible. And to be able to go back and soundboard with experts and women and just share whether they're personal or professional challenges for me has been incredible. And I've, I've felt like it's completely enriched my life. And did you succeed in getting sponsorship? Absolutely. <laughs> we, have been, we have had the most incredible partnership with Harvey Norman for three years now. So I'm very okay. proud of that partnership and I hope that it continues for another three years. And how long did it take you to get that sponsorship? So from uh, you know, this is the thing. conversation <laughs> to then. Katie is a woman that makes things happen. And so she's a woman after my heart because I like to make things happen. And so yes. it, was, it was, the conversation happened and it was, it was happening straight away. Straight away. Okay. So but like three still, months later. But it was still, was it a year since like the plane? Like when you saw the guy on the plane versus meeting with Katie, what was kind of like that, that was process? one year. That was yeah, one year so of me waiting for the right time. And so still probably a year and a half at least to get yeah. the sponsorship. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. absolutely. You know, and sometimes you got to, yeah, yeah, for sure. You've got to wait for things. Like, like I, I knew what I wanted, but you, timing is everything, I think. And mm-hmm. opportunities present themselves at different times. Def- and I think even more so in sponsorship timing, you know, it has to be the right place, the right time for yeah. the organisations to align. Yeah. yeah. What is the one thing that you're most passionate about today? Oh my God, you're asking me for one singular passion? (laughs) The one thing that you're most, okay, you can have more than one passion, but is there one that stands above the rest? Look, I think I've always, if I'm like true to my core, I have always been very passionate about social justice. And that's not an easy thing to be passionate about because there's so much injustice in the world. uh, And it's so hard to keep that positive light and hope when you see people feeling victimized or oppressed or really hurt and not hurt. But if we say social justice, it encompasses enough things. And I think the thing that I think about when I reflect on myself is we can say that we're passionate about social justice, but what does that actually look like as an everyday human being? Like how do I live that passion for caring for other human beings and their rights and the fact that they are heard and accepted and loved and cared for. And if they are being systemically oppressed, what am I consciously doing to remove that oppression through the small things in how I live? So, you know, it's very challenging because if you know the clothes that you wear on your back are made at the hands of a child, what kind of choices? Like you need to really think. When I drink a coffee cup and I throw it away and, you know, we all love our coffee, I certainly do. Uh, What does that do to our environment? So I think about all the little things we do every day and we go, oh, yeah, I'm such a social justice advocate. But I think about all the little things and go, we're actually really hypocritical and we're not really that in tune. So I'm very passionate about being in tune and social justice. Yeah, and I mean, I guess like the further you take it, the more difficult it gets as well. I mean, you could there's so many 
varieties of where you could, uh, you probably, again, would have to pick ones that you're, you're more passionate about and really focus on that and then constantly trying to improve. I mean, the tangible day-to-day acts that you, you have to do would be, you know, very varied. I think it's about living right. I always ask myself, like, are you living right? As long as I have a commitment to live right by others and by myself and, and true to my values, then I think we're on the way. It doesn't mean we'll get it right all the time. It just means the commitment to live right is there. Yeah, awesome. Look, I don't know if this is something that you had ever, ever faced, but was there something holding you back from doing what you do today? Uh, there's always hurdles and things that hold you back. So when I was young, I felt like my age and my lack of mobility, so no license yet. You know, you're, when you're young, sometimes you feel really trapped, but I can only do so much because I can't take myself and bring myself. And then I got older and I felt really trapped by the perception of what it is to be a Muslim or an Arab or a woman. And so then I got older and I felt trapped by workplace culture And then I got older and I was trapped by other things. And I think there are always things that make us feel trapped. And for me, the greatest gift has been learning how to overcome those obstacles so there are no excuses. Ah, do you like that, Brad? I I absolutely love it. (laughs) Any way we can try that in is awesome. (laughs) You know how much I love your no excuses philosophy. I love it. I think it's, it's what everyone should live by. Although I make plenty of excuses when I'm at training. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's one of the things that I always say. Like the goal is to be able to catch yourself and then correct course because we all make excuses, but it's about getting better at catching yourself to it because so many times the first initial answer to anything is it's too hard, it can't be done. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we actually start to look at it, it, it's it's just a simple bunch of steps that we need to get from one point to the other. Mm. But yeah, and uh, very cleverly tying that in for me. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> right, we, we, <laughs> we pick up the pace here. I've just got a few um, two word questions that I ask, which okay. I want to know which, which side you sit on. So winter or summer? Winter. Okay. Awesome. Book or audio book? Book. Okay, great. Run or ride? Ooh, both. Both. <laughs> Are we allowed to say that? <laughs> no, no, you're not allowed to say that. I'm a triathlete oh. and I still have to choose one of them. Well, what do you Good. choose? I would choose run. I'd be run all the way. Then I'll choose ride. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> eat, eat out or home cooked? Ooh, home cooked. Okay, yeah, I would have thought that it was going to be the case. Yeah, I have a, a grandmother who's a chef, like home cooked. <laughs> yeah, see, n- no one can really cook in our house. My wife and I both <laughs> realise that that's not a strength of ours. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? And I'm really excited to hear what you have to say. Oh, wow. Goodness. Okay. Best piece of advice I've ever received. Venture out into uncomfortable places and you will learn. So don't stay in the nest. Go go out and explore, travel, work with people you feel very uncomfortable with. Just be far away from home and you will grow as a human being. 
Totally agree. I think that yeah. uh, the more that you travel around, the more that you have an appreciation and you have perspective. So you can actually appreciate what you have versus when you see some of the other people have. Yeah. What's a personal habit that contributes to your success? I have a very strong uh, passion for and ability to manage and prioritize my work. So I okay. write things up on my board. I think about what is the most important thing that I need to do, what are the things that can fall away, and I commit myself. It's very easy. I have lots of ideas. It's very easy for me to get caught up in the next thing I want to do, but you have to do those core things consistently and you have to do them well. And I try my best to commit myself and do those things consistently. And so you'd say that that's something that you're good at? You're good at being able to uh, stop having to spread yourself thin and focus on the, the core stuff that you need to? It's something I've, I've actively worked on developing because I think I was overcommitted and I felt like I, I'm not really giving my 100% to everything, so I'm never really satisfied. And the only way yeah. I could give the standard that I wanted, which was excellence, the only way I could achieve that excellence or strive for it was if I let go of some things. And that's hard when you're really enjoying being in different spaces, but you can't be everywhere. Note to and self. You can't tell you everyone. 100%. You can't. Uh, this, I love this question. So what is something that you've bought for under $100 that has most improved your life? Books. Oh, yeah. That's, that is I totally love, it. I, I love reading. I love reading. I have a bookshelf if you'd like me to show you. Yeah. Can you see? Okay, that's a fairly, it's a fairly stacked bookshelf. I mean, you're even putting yeah. books on top of books. And I've got books behind those books, so I'm all for reading. I have a book in my bag. I have a book on my bed. I have a book on my bedside. Uh, I have to force myself to not buy books. <laughs> this is this is perfect because I was just about to ask you what is your favourite book at the moment and why. <sighs> okay, Buy Anything by Brene Brown. Okay. I love her as an author. The the greatest book I ever read that sort of really transformed my thinking was The Gifts of Imperfection uh, okay. because I was a perfectionist and she helped sort of challenge some of those behaviours and thoughts and I was like, you really need to let go of some of this controlling behaviour. Like we act like it's a constructive thing. It's kind of crazy. We need to let it go. So that's a really good book to read. Okay, awesome. Now, what is one key takeaway you have for Grit Nation? Uh, maintain the grit. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, like, again, is, I love that. It's, it's gritty. Like, you've got to be willing to work hard. It means that you need to sometimes get your hands dirty. And if you just continue to apply yourself, you know, it might not be that grand thing that you expect in return, that payoff. The payoff might be something completely unexpected. And that's the most beautiful yep. thing. I totally agree. And what's the best way that uh, Grit Nation can connect with you? Uh, I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, my number is all over the internet, as is my email. It is so easy to find me. <laughs> So you're not keeping under the radar then on uh, the internet? <laughs> yeah, no, you can, you can easily, like, write to me. I'm happy to meet with people. I'm happy to chat on the phone or Skype. Like, you know, I'm an open book, so I'm happy to have any conversation. 
I think a lot of people have been generous in giving their time to me and it's helped me and I, I would be privileged to do that for someone else. Yeah, that's uh, phenomenal. And guys, definitely take advantage if you want. Um, now, thank you so much for your time and thank you all, Grit Nation, for tuning in and I'll see you guys next week.